National Fishermen and Pacific Marine Expo are proud supporters of the Galley Stories podcast, as we make similar efforts to highlight the people and topics that define commercial fishing. You can see what that looks like in print and online all year long, as well as every November in Seattle when this community comes together at PME. Check out nationalfishermen.com and pacificmarineexpo.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond, hosted by Mark Kaler. My name is Penka Jane, podcast deckhand and longtime listener. We'd thank you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Here's today's catch. Hello guys and welcome to another installment of Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond. I am your host, Mark Kaler. Today we have Captain Jason Miller of the Aleutian Spirit, a family-owned vessel and family-owned company with a couple vessels under its belt. Jason, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Mark. Uh, where were you born and what got you into the industry? Petersburg, Alaska. Uh, four generations with me um, in Alaska, commercial fishing. Family immigrated from Norway uh, in an area called Christiansund which is about central Norway. Um, there's a community called Utnes, which is my Norwegian family name. So no matter what, I was born, bred to be a fisherman. And moved to Petersburg then? I was born and raised in Petersburg. Okay, you were, but your family, the progression, how did that, they came from Norway? Yep, they came from Norway. Um, they actually started out on halibut and Pacific cod schooners and they worked their way into other fisheries like halibut, then eventually salmon, king crab, herring, and just about every other species you could harvest. Mm -hmm. What's your earliest memories in the industry? Tying canyons with my grandfather, Nels, getting paid 25 cents a canyon. And what is a canyon? A canyon is what you use to put a hook on to your ground line when you're catching halibut or black cod. Okay. And I was three years old when he taught me. And he was blown away that I could do that at three years old. So he moved me up to start um, overhauling skates gear. So I started doing that with him. And he paid me $20 a skate to overhaul. Okay, so let's explain what a skate is. Skate is what you use. It's ground line basically with so many hooks, usually spaced 18 feet for halibut. And generally 150 fathoms, sometimes up to 300 fathoms, depending on where he was fishing and he paid me all the same mm -hmm. just as long as I finished the work and did it the way he taught me how to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was the first uh, commercial outing? With my uncle Alan Otnes actually and uh, I had an amazing experience with him. He taught me how to mend salmon seine and my aunt Sherry uh, worked on the boat with him and my cousin Kari and I learned a lot when I was about eight years old was really my first understanding of how salmon seine fishing worked in the summertime with my uncle. Well, explain that to me, Jason. Yeah, um, salmon seining usually happens in southeast Alaska starting in June, ending in September, and you'd fish all over southeast. It's a huge area. So we could be up by Angoon, could be up by Huna, could be down by Ketchikan, could be even close to Metlaketla and everywhere in between wherever there's coastline that you can harvest salmon from. And salmon sanding usually there's about four to five people depending on the size of the crew, captain, your lead man, which piles leads, which is what holds the net down so that it can stretch. 
and you can uh, sain with it and uh, usually attach to that as a purse line so you can cinch it up and by cinching it up when you close up um, you're usually pursing it up I think of like a crown royal bag upside down and you cinch it and what's inside of there is usually what you're going for and, in both uh, ways yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah exa- exa- exactly it, it's almost the same elation in some ways but uh yeah, it's a lot of fun. And my uncle was a great teacher and very patient with me and uh, a lot like my grandfather. And so when I had that experience with him, I got the opportunity to move up to fishing with my father, which my two brothers were already doing. And that opened a lot of doors and his style of fishing was much more aggressive in certain ways, but very similar to the way uh, my uncle fished because they were taught by the same guy, my grandfather else. And my grandfather, Nels, in our neck of the woods, was quite a legend. Yeah, he pioneered a lot of fisheries down there. And I miss him dearly. He passed away two years ago. So, yeah, I miss him every day. What, what did he have you doing on the boat? I'm sorry, Mark. When you, when you first got out, right? what was your job on the boat? I got to help plunge, which is to keep the fish away from the side of the boat and keep them in the net that looks like a diving uh, seal or a diving uh, sea lion or you know some type of predator that a salmon would be scared of because it creates bubbles and a popping sound and then uh, I'd pile the purse line by the deck winch or I'd run the power block I mean, I, I, so I understood how everything worked together on deck mm-hmm. and then when I was done doing that being 8 or 9 years old my uncle would have me come up and watch what he was looking for. Like he was looking for jumps on the beach or what stage of tide that the fish started moving on and explained to me why he was looking for that. Mm-hmm. So he taught me not just the aspect of what each job was by letting me run the power block and seeing how everything intertwined, but he also brought me upstairs to understand why you need to know those things. Mm-hmm. And this is what you eventually work towards. And you said you went with your dad and it was a little more aggressive fishery. Uh, what fishing? What what fishery were you doing the first time with your dad? And can you explain to us a little bit about the aggressiveness and difference between your uncle? My uncle was more patient and uh, just as good and just as aggressive, but had more patience. My father was not nowhere near as good of a teacher with showing you what to do in terms of taking the time to sit you down. He was a, more of a teacher that would just do it and expect you to understand what he means. So it was good that I had the opportunity to spend time with my uncle learning the basics and the fundamentals and then getting up to where those fundamentals were expected. And then you kind of heighten that understanding a little bit more. Watching my dad in his element was impressive. He was a phenomenal sane fisherman and a phenomenal halibut fisherman. And he excelled at all of the fisheries that he did. And he was a difficult man to get along with, but I loved him and respected the hell out of him and understood why he was teaching me that way. And every time I had a difficulty, he'd pull me aside and say, son, there's gonna be no excuses for you because I'm not gonna allow that to happen. So he was, I think, harder on me than the other two brothers and had a, more of an expectation 
And my uncle always thought I was going to be the CEO of some great company because he knew I had a brain and knew what I wanted to aspire to eventually. But he understood that I loved fishing. And he did too because he was a brilliant mind too. Could have gone and done anything he wanted but decided to be a fisherman. Mm -hmm. And so that was something I always respected in the men that I had in my life. And uh, my grandfather and my uncle and my father were huge um, impacts that way. And they're completely different people. My grandfather was the most positive human being I've ever been around. My uncle was more of a realist. And my dad would just bullnose his way through everything and go for it. He wasn't afraid of anything. And all three brands. Yeah. yeah. And so I learned a lot from each one of them. And I'm grateful that I had that opportunity. And reflecting on my life now, being 45, being a father of four daughters and being married for 20 plus years... And then seeing my grandfather pass away and my dad struggling with his disease and my uncle getting older. Um, life is short and you got to love those who uh, spend time with you and took the time to teach you. Mm -hmm. And those guys were all animals in their own right. Amazing fishermen, talented, brilliant fishermen. So I remember having this conversation with my grandpa. He said, you're a piker unless you're in Pollock. And he goes, if you haven't gone to the Bering Sea, which he never did, he goes, then you can't really call yourself a true fisherman. So he goes, you ever get the opportunity, Jason, you go for it. And I remember him sitting me down telling me that. And that was the one grandson he had that went for it. And that was probably going to be the least likely, you know, like thinking about all the other relatives I have in this industry. <laughs> but it's pretty cool. Yeah. I miss him miss him dearly you're on the Bering Sea now Jason yeah and I enjoy the heck out of it I have an amazing amazing partner in that experience Rick Faced and he's just a, he's like he's kind of a combination of all the men that I grew up with in the fishing he's got a brilliant mind he's aggressive as hell like my dad and positive like my grandfather so he's that old school that's just kind of a combination so he and I get along great and he's taught me a lot about what to be aware of out here and what to look for and his style of fishing is a lot like my my family's and he had the opportunity to fish with my family when my brother Aaron had hair that's our inside joke which was 20 plus years ago so <laughs> he remembers that and then we rekindled our friendship and uh, been going at it ever since up here fishing for trident loving every moment of it mm -hmm. What all, what all species have you been involved in fishing for? Um, uh, my own salmon seine operation in the past. Um, Pacific cod, sablefish, halibut. Uh, let's see, squid in California, sardines in Oregon. Like I think Dungeness crab in southeast. I've fished almost every fishery you can fish, though. But my own, that's what I've done on my own. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite? Honestly, Pacific pot, single pot fishing, Pacific cod. <laughs> and people think I'm crazy. You know, everyone says it's the hardest. I enjoy it. It's, uh, for me, it's uh, when you're out there by yourself and you're looking at the bottom of the ocean floor, thinking about what you're going to do, looking at the elements, you know, looking at the tide, thinking about where you're going to put the pot, how you're going to follow it up if there's going to be any fish there 
but what I've been taught and understand, there will be. So, for me, the challenge is just the extremes, and those things have never really bothered me because I grew up dealing with a lot of a lot of struggles, a lot of a lot of things you have to uh, endure and overcome, and so. I figure if it's probably the hardest, probably enjoy it the most. Yeah. You know, before I get into any other questions, I want to touch on your your background and heritage a bit more because the entire time I've known you, you've been so proud of Petersburg and so proud of your family in Petersburg and the community of Petersburg. So let's let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. Because you literally send me all all, all kind of stuff, you know, supporting that. Yeah, I, I grew up on a road called Wrangell Avenue. And on Wrangell Avenue, my next door neighbor was Magnus Martins, one of the founders of Icicle Seafoods. And his wife, I called Grandma Ruby. And she was near and dear to my heart. And then down the road, you had John Winters, who was founder of factory trawler, or not factory trawlers, but factory longliners, uh, the prowler, bearing prowler, ocean prowler, gulf prowler, arctic prowler, <laughs> just about every prowler boat, and then the Teresa Marie, and he was he was kind of a, not necessarily a black sheep, but he was kind of a, a rabble rouser, someone you wanted to be like, someone you looked up to, respected, admired, smart, aggressive, hardworking, went for it, a lot like most Petersburg fishermen. Um, Gordon Jensen, I would walk behind his house, who was also another founder of Icicle Seafoods. He'd always look at me and say, you're welcome to go back of the house, go to, you know, a shortcut to get to school. And he was a giant of a man. And uh, down the road from him was Ed Fugelbach, and then Ed Duncan, and then my grandfather Nels, and then Yancey Nielsen's family, and then uh, John Olson's family, and then the Candles. We all grew up on the same road. All these amazing fishing families. Just, it was just awesome. And these are men that you looked up to and respected and admired and wanted to be like. And it was just an awesome feeling knowing that you have guys like that that have pushed the envelope in the fishing industry right next to you. You know, cheering you on, giving you their advice, their insight saying, you know, this is what I would do if I were your age. I remember the first time I loaded my dad's boat up with salmon. I was fishing for Norquest at the time when they existed, and uh, John Winters tied the boat up, smiled at me. He goes, I heard you did good, kid. I go, yes, sir, I did. He goes, you ever get a wild hare? You got a spot up in the Bering Sea with me. I never forgot that. And every year we would have a great conversation at the end of the year, talking about what we were going to do, like what I should do. And just spending that time with me. And I was grateful for that. And then leading me down this path of Petersburg, a group of us fishermen started our own little seafood processing company called The Ocean Fresh, which mostly consisted of people I respected, admired, and, and family. And uh, it taught me a lot about the business. And I had the opportunity to walk twice down the road on uh, Commodore Way and meet with Mr. Bundrup and ran into him twice. And I looked up to him and I said, I remember this too. 
said, Ugh, Bill Gates of our industry. He smiled at me, looked down, and goes, Nah. I go, Yes, sir, you are. And uh, he gave me another smile. He said, I heard you're the Ocean Fresh kid. I go, Yes, sir, I am. And from then on, I just, I was so elated because he reminded me of people from Petersburg. Just an amazing, hardworking, salt of the earth guy. And being in this industry, you know, and seeing these amazing guys go through the experiences they go through, and now they're passing. Like a good friend of my dad's, Colin Martins, was another key person I grew up with in my life and went on to be very successful in commercial fishing and is a Martins from the Icicle clan, just like most of us are. And uh, just just miss him we'd have these amazing conversations now he's gone and when I came up here I always think of him you know and so being from Petersburg you're connected to wherever the ocean is I've been all over um, North America I ran into a guy who worked on the symphony with Audie Matisse and from Petersburg selling fish for Aquastar in Canada and I'm sitting here going that's Petersburg that's what we're proud of we're known because we're hard-working usually aggressive producing fishermen and we all have a kind of a brotherhood amongst each other and my family's always been kind of the black sheep <laughs> that's okay with me and I'm alright with that kind of do things a little different kind of ruffle some feathers once in a while but that's alright with me too so all this time sounds like there was a lot of, lot of time looking to the Bering Sea what was the first experience and what boat was that? The Aprilani, which was built in 2014 at Fred Wall. So my dad's long-term goal was to build a boat like that so he can enjoy his retirement years. But the problem is he ended up getting sick. He had a very rare form of Parkinson's called corticobosal degeneration, which means basically his brain's dying. And he's a tough salt, so that's why he's held on so long. He's outlived every prediction that the doctors have given him and uh, he can't communicate he's got dementia but before he started losing it like that he was telling me gotta make a transition and he goes it's not gonna be me who does it so the first thing I did was I reached out to my friend Brian LaPerry who was my dad's right-hand man for many years he said Jason if you're gonna go to the Bering Sea you talk to Rick Faced those otherwise you don't even think about it so I did exactly what he told me and when I talked to Rick he told me what his expectations were and if I couldn't meet them then there's no option of him ever participating with us I listened to him did everything he said came back to him he was blown away that I actually listened to him show him that I was a man of my word and from that point on I had his respect and I think for the years that we've been together, it's worked out well for both of us in a lot of ways. We're both human though, you know, we make mistakes, do things that we probably shouldn't, but in the end we work really well together, complement each other extremely well when we work together. So it's like working with this men I grew up with, men I respected, understood. Didn't have to say much, really. I was taught, if you're going to do something, you do it right, otherwise don't do it. And 
I showed Rick that's what I was going to do. And then we thought, as we continued down this path, maybe add a little tiny boat to kind of keep everybody away from us. And teach me the ropes, learn the skills, and then I realized how much effort this takes. And having two boats to manage up here with the crews is a lot of work. And then establishing new relationships and new fisheries is a lot of work. And being up here the whole time with the way things are going and fishing isn't always the best <coughs> isn't always the best place for me. So negotiating things with other industry partners that we work with to help continue down our path of growth with our little business. Something I've been trying to focus on more and more and doing it well and doing it to the best of my ability and looking out for everybody that's involved. And I'm grateful to Trident and the Bundrant family for opening their doors to us and being so kind to us and understanding of what it's like to have a small family home business in the seafood industry. I just remember the second time we met Mr. Bundrant, I was with uh, Dave Abassian and, and Joe Bundrant and uh, Chuck came in and we we're sitting in his office having lunch. One of the greatest experiences of my life because it was like talking to my grandfather. You could see in his eyes exactly what drove him love of fish and my grandfather shared that with them just like I share it with all of them and having the opportunity to explain what we're doing and how we're doing it and he understood everything I said and it was like he was right there with me doing it so during these interesting times in the seafood business I'm just grateful that we're blessed with people and a company that understands what it's like and especially you know like yourself Mark having the conversations that we've had in the past about things that we're both passionate about in the seafood world yeah I mean that's what it's going to take for sure well yeah as an industry obviously um, we're struggling um, but we've struggled before yeah you know, maybe not us, but our fathers or grandfathers. Yep. You know, our fleets. Yep. Yeah. You know, uh, it's the graying of the fleet. There's not many young people coming into it, and most of them are coming out of Petersburg. The ones with their heads on straight. So let's get them interested. Let's, let's, give, them, let's give them the story of your, your favorite time at sea. Favorite time at sea? <laughs> oh, I have to, yeah, I'm going to share this. It has to be herring fishing for the first time with my dad and my brother, Paul Manish and Brian LaPerry. My brother Josh goes on a basketball camp, and herring prices were out of this world. And there wasn't much herring around, and this is over in Sitka, and it's where all the aggressive, gung-ho saners go. It's basically like NASCAR. You know, everyone's gearing up, getting ready to roll doesn't matter for that one shot of fish and I remember the first set I was ever on with my dad and this was a big set at the time it was 235 tons my brother Aaron's up on the bow 
hyperventilating because it's so much fish after it closed up and started pursing up. And then Brian, who's just an awesome fisherman and an extension of my dad's aggress- aggressiveness in a lot of ways, and they met uh, in a really cool way, and I knew they had that respect for each other, their passion for fishing. They were a great team. They killed a lot of fish. And I got to be there, you know, right up front watching it all happen. And my dad said, you're always going to be with me when we're herring fishing. You're a good luck charm. You're never going anywhere. Because I was the first that I was ever on. And I remember the paycheck I got from it. And I got paid half share because I was a webman. And it's a lot of work for me especially. But as a kid, Josh was so mad because he missed out on it. And my brother Aaron was so excited. My dad was so excited. Brian was so excited. And just seeing how everything came together even though when it shouldn't have and all these people are trying to take you out you know trying to cork you trying to run run your run you out of the way so they can get to school and just watching my dad cool as a cucumber cut everybody off <laughs> like it was nothing and he was an amazing operator man i mean it was fun to watch him and i would not want to be on the other side of him and yeah that that was the thing that I learned a lot from that experience. Took teamwork. Took everyone looking towards the same goal. And every once in a while it works out. And when it works out, you hope it's when the price is good and when you get a lot of it. And then I've also seen the other side of it too, where we caught a lot of fish and we were told we were going to get paid a price that we didn't and how my dad responded to that. My dad fished his entire salmon career for Icicle Seafoods. He was one of the large shareholders of the company when they started. He was their youngest guy. Tommy Thompson loved him because he produced. Gave him his first boat loan. Bought one of the Icicle's first uh, same boats, the Johnny L. And had a reputation they called him the Blue Bastard. Which I'm sure he earned for a reason. (laughs) And uh, Didn't come from a fishing family. Which was even better. But married a girl who came from a fishing family and uh, had a lot to prove. And so watching him beat all those odds and be a successful fisherman when he wasn't supposed to. And Petersburg very, Petersburg's very clannish, so they're not really a, all that accepting of you unless you're from there. And even then- I've only got two of you because on this thing so far. Yeah, so. well Yancey, he might be coming up, you never know. And Aaron, if you if get my brother Aaron up here, He's very quiet, but man, he's got some amazing stories too. And he's an animal, just an awesome fisherman. He's a lot like my dad, mm-hmm. has the mindset for it. And I think he's the most talented, naturally gifted fisherman out of our whole family, honestly. Because he'll be late, show up when everybody's already in a set, and catch more than everybody. Mm-hmm. Just by whatever he does. And he's, he's aggressive like my dad, but very quiet like my dad too. So I hope I can get him up here. I, I like I like your best day story. That's a great it's a great memory to have. I want to share that with my kids someday when they get old enough to actually ask dad if they're really interested in fishing. Yeah. And share it with them because it was with my brother, my oldest brother, and my dad. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny on the other side though was my grandfather, was my uncle, and they're all trying to cut each other off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like it's pretty funny. What what about your worst day? I gotta think of that one. I don't know if I've really had a bad day of fishing. 
every day you always have challenges but I, don't, I can't really say it was a bad day I have to think yeah here's what I do know this was hard for me when I realized my dad was sick he could still operate well in terms of a vessel but I had to come up alongside him and he knew when that time was and I set him over on the port side pilot house chair and he never ran the boat again and that was probably my hardest day that was in the summer of 2016 and I knew something was wrong and nobody listened to me they were just saying oh he's getting older he's getting tired and he kept he was brilliant mathematically he could figure just about anything out mathematically and he was searching constantly for words and for formulas to figure out whatever he was trying to figure out and he looked at me and he goes like Jason there's something wrong and so we came to the conclusion that he couldn't run the boat anymore so we sat him over on the side Brian came up and helped for a little bit and that's when we started talking about transition and every family member responded in their own way and I don't judge any way why but my dad told everybody Jason's taking over and that offended some people in my family which was hard to accept and deal with and a lot of those feelings and emotions are still being held on by some of my family but not all of them I think a lot of that's been taken care of now but yeah that was I'd say that was my hardest moment yeah. and it led to a lot of hardship and and a lot of a lot of sadness so what what is uh I guess another side of that is what is fishing given to you everything now, honestly the opportunities that presented themselves as a family to be together in close quarters difficult situations and coming out in a lot of ways where it works really really well in very stressful unknown difficult situations and you really can test yourself as a man as a son as a brother, as a fisherman. Um, I've had these amazing moments looking over at my brother Aaron, just seeing how much of an animal he is on deck. <laughs> or looking at my dad just going nonstop for days on end without any rest, just with a big smile because we're catching fish. Or looking over at my brother Josh, who's hooting and hollering because we had a 500-ton herring set. You know, just these amazing experiences that you can't replace. And very few get the opportunity to experience. And then looking over, seeing my grandpa right alongside us, right there with us. And looking over, seeing my uncle and his family right there with us. It's, it's an amazing experience. And truly blessed. And just the things you see what Mother Nature provides for us. It's amazing. And then you come into contact with like-minded people like that. That share those same joys that you do. It truly is God's country. And we're just lucky to be there. And, uh, yeah. I think fishing has given me everything. What has it taken it's taken a toll in, in some ways being away from like my children who are 
not old enough really to enjoy these things yet, but want to be there, and they miss their dad. And my wife, who doesn't come from a fishing family, doesn't really understand some of the dynamics. She understands fully what it takes and those things, but, but why do I come out here and do this? It's the challenge, and it's what's in my blood, and it's always been. It's like, this is where I'm supposed to be. It's where I need to be. And I have to lead by example if you're going to lead men. They want to know that you're capable of doing what they're doing, that you're willing to show them that you're capable of doing what they're doing, and so that they have that respect for you. And my grandfather sat me down and said, you never ask someone to do something you're unwilling to do. You have to be willing to do it, to expect someone else to do it. Yeah, so speaking of challenges, I was one of four people born with a rare condition called radial ulnar dysostosis, which means basically musculoskeletal um, abnormalities. I have seven fingers. I have three on my left hand four on my right, short arms, can't extend my arms fully. And I remember the story my mom shared with me that I was so stubborn that I would learn how to walk. And she never wanted to help me with anything. And she said it was the hardest thing that she could ever do. And she goes, you're going to learn how to walk. So you completely bypassed the crawling stage, used your forehead, and I'd have this huge red knot on my head, and that's why I'm so stubborn. And I just went to straight up walking. And my dad and mom, when I was born, they didn't know what was wrong. They thought there was internal issues. And so I had multiple surgeries. This was back in the 70s when they couldn't do what they do now. Underwent about 25 total surgeries on my hands and arms. And I just remember when I was a little kid, like I have memories when I was three about the smell of burnt skin and how painful and burning my arms were and how I had to learn how to deal with it and the pain and the amount of pain. And I'm in pain every day. And I think that's why I want to be challenged. I don't mind feeling, you know, the, the extremes. I want to test it. I want to feel it. And I remember growing up, my brothers, they were so good to me. They're like, there's going to be no excuse for you. My dad was so strong with me. My grandfather, he was so proud of me. My uncle. They're just like, how in the hell are you capable of doing these things with what you got? And most people want to put limitations on you by the way you look. Or if you have physical issues that you struggle with. I never felt disabled in my entire life. I ended up marrying a beautiful woman who fell in love with my spirit, not me. <laughs> and she saw that. So I've tried to prove to everyone, including myself, that I am capable and worthy of this heritage that I so love and admire that I always wanted to be a part of. But kind of felt like Maybe I wasn't really meant for it because the physical toll it takes, but wanted to prove to everybody I was capable of doing it. 
so they knew and understand that they shouldn't put limitations on themselves. So it made me strong mentally. It made me endure everything that I have to endure and show people that if you have a challenge, it's okay. And you can excel, especially if it's something you love. And it's something that's been in my family for generations. And what I loved about Petersburg and the people there is they never put a limitation on me. I have the best friends you could ever imagine. The only thing I remember slowing me down was I had to tie my shoes. And my friends were like, we'll tie your shoes for you so we can get out and play more, like football and basketball. I was pretty good at sports, wrestling, swimming. <laughs> and uh, I took thirds in state in swimming in the butterfly with just my kick, no hands and arms, man. And um, all my siblings were state champions and everything they did so I wanted to do that too and then they went off and did they were successful in their own right in academics and in business and I wanted to follow I had amazing examples and I'm so grateful that I had them but they helped me make they helped make me who I am and I can't forget my grandma Dot and how special she was to me and how she dealt with my grandpa, dealt with my dad and my mom, dealt with all her grandkids, dealt with all her kids. She was salt of the earth. And you know what she told me? The only person who can stop you is yourself. You can do anything in this life that you put your mind to. And she goes, you're smart, you're hardworking, and those are the two things you need in life, Jason. And so I'll never forget that. So yeah, I've had some challenges, more than most. I think I've had 30 plus surgeries in my lifetime. Recovery sucks. <laughs> and yeah, I'm in pain all the time, but I don't let it stop me. No, you're always working. Always doing something, trying to find better ways to do things, make it easier, simple, or uh, less stressful for people. And uh, I have good people that surround me, so I'm very thankful for that. Good friends, good family, and good people that that helped me try and achieve the goals that I set for myself and my friends that are helping me get there. So, and I'm a very loyal person. I, I know that for a fact. Yeah. Uh, you know, you and I have only spent about 10 minutes on a deck together. Yeah. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Minutes? Yep. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, I remember. But it was all good, man. It was all good. Oh, okay. Well, Jason, thanks for taking the time today to... I appreciate your story, and, and you know, I'm really grateful that you brought up the struggles that you've had because you do more than some guys that were perfectly fit. I mean, just what an accomplishment. I appreciate that. Um, Thank you. But uh, let me ask you, is there anything you'd like to share as we close this out, Jason? Yeah, I, I do, actually. I think it's a wonderful question um, for me that whoever's listening right now that no matter what if you have something you want to pursue go for it you only live once do your best at it and you'll never regret it because at least you tried and if it works out for you it's awesome if it doesn't learn from it move on and keep moving forward that's all you can do if you have good people around you you have a good mindset you'll get there and you'll accomplish the goals that you set for yourself and if you get anything out of this from what I had to say is I just hope that you have a positive mindset and if you face a challenge, you face it head on and you move right through it. And 
I hope you get that from kind of the way I've lived my life. And I try to set myself every day in that mindset. So that's, that's what I'd like to leave as my message at the end here. Thank you for your time, Mark. I appreciate the opportunity to share my story. Thanks. We've been trying this for a couple of years. Yeah. So I'm glad it worked out. Yeah, thank you. As it goes back out to uh, Fish Pacific Cod. Yes, sir. On the Bering Sea. Yes, sir. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Galley Stories. We hope you like what the net brought in. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Whether you like it or not, we're not fishing for compliments. Look us up on Facebook and Twitter, too. And reach out to us at galleystories at gmail.com.